Match day two, Atletico Ottawa one, HFX Wanderers nil. Two wins in a row for the first time in our history and both clean sheets to boot. We're going to talk analysis, stats, discipline, standouts, disappointments, injuries, and much more. Let's go. ATO After the Whistle, the weekly podcast of the Capital City Supporters Group. I am Johnny MacArthur. I'm here with Patrick Dornan every Tuesday, all season long, dishing out reactions, analysis, and you know what? Hot takes too, probably. Patrick, how are you doing? Great, great. Another another W at Lansdowne, so you can't really complain at all about that, uh, that outcome, so I'm excited A- to chat about it. And that's the first time that we have ever said that in the history of our club. Another <laughs> Tutoro, Tutoro, we're the best. <laughs> in a row, we're the best. We're going to win the league. <laughs> two dubs, two clean sheets. You were there. Tell me what, uh, just in general, what, what, what's what's the feeling after you know another result like that? Another um, hard fought win. I think that it just goes to show the the work that was put in in the offseason. Uh, you look at what Cargo put together with the team. You look at the even the difference between the Cavalry game and the Wanderers game in terms of yeah. strategy, in terms of the way he used his players, um, in terms of intensity as well. Uh, I think that really they came out on top because they were just the better team at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So, well, it's 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 nice to see that because. I mean, especially a lot of our wins, a lot of our wins, we didn't have a lot of them, but but for our wins last season, a lot of the time it was, you know, you nicked a lucky one or something. Or yeah, and like, really, in, like gar- in garbage time or whatever. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But uh, w- w- with a game like this one, I mean, I, this is I watched this one from home. For everyone listening, I, I actually live in Montreal, but I came in for the opener. We both watched from the dub. And, I mean, obviously, if anyone that's been to live football and also watched it from home, it's a very different process. So, <laughs> I mean, for you, obviously, you watched both games from the dub. So did we look even better, you know, today than we did last week? Um, I think your like point of view there. Yeah, I think so. I think that the the changes that were made from week to week um, were good on the field. I think that the dub would manage to hold on to that intensity and that energy for the whole ninety minutes again, which you know is is a tough thing to do for a lot of supporters groups. Um, yeah. Rewatching the the game actually like earlier today, I rewatched the game uh, on One Soccer and. Mm-hmm. You can hear the dub the entire game. I think, oh, like, yeah. I've got to say it, like, we are the loudest fan base supporters group in the CPL right now. I got to tell you, it's nice when I'm sitting at home and I can still, and I can hear that as well. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it may be like some pretty intense FOMO going on when you can hear that from home for sure. Um, why don't we delve into something that actually happened before the game? Uh, yeah. A consequence of the previous game. Mm. So as we had seen, we, we, we thought that uh, after appeal, for Drew Becky's red card for the absolutely heinous, violent foot-breaking stomp he incurred on the Calvary defender. Um, we thought that common sense might prevail and any sort of uh, suspension would probably get not, you know, one game I think I could, I could have I handled one game. 
You know, that sounds about right. You know, a regular red. Obviously, this wasn't a regular red. This was a straight red for vi- quote-unquote violent conduct. We thought that one game would have been the, the a given. But we got three. Mm. This man is going to sit out more than 10% of these <clears throat> games for this season. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous choice by Canada Soccer to uphold that. They, they basically came back with a technicality saying, oh, well, you know, you didn't appeal it within 24 hours of the, of the card. <laughs> and I'm like... The game was on a Saturday at three o'clock or at the one, uh, three o'clock. Sorry. The game was on a Saturday at three o'clock and we didn't appeal it on a Sunday afternoon and appealed it Monday morning, you know, the first day of work. And they came back and said, well, no, sorry. Three game suspension stands because of that reason. And that, and the worst part is it was after the video came out. I don't know if you've seen the video of the cavalry player kind of back kicking, giving the old, you know, the donkey kick. Um, and you know, yeah, Drew got caught fair play by the referee. He saw what he saw and he didn't see what happened before, but, but yeah, three games is absolutely heinous. You know, to me, that's, when you talk about violent conduct in football, you're talking about the Zidane Zidane headbutts, the yeah, the Luis yeah. Suarez bite. Like to exactly, me, that's exactly. that's the level of violence that would warrant a red card and a multi-game suspension. And stuff I mean, you really want to stamp out of the game. Exactly, you know, like actual violence. And you know, we talked about it last week. Like shithousery like that is going to happen in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Let I'm of the let the boys play. Um, you know, card who needs to be card. You know, if it's a yellow or a red, but. Yeah, the, the the decision is absolutely bewildering. I think a lot of people have come out on social media, on Twitter and, and the Discord uh, to voice their discontent with the decision mm-hmm. uh, not to allow the appeal to go through. And, you know, it's almost like a they're almost making an example of it, which would make sense if the foul wasn't a foul that they could use as an example. So, you know, yeah. we talk about the game today with Pacific and Valor. You know, a guy got kicked in the face. Um, and they gave him a straight red, and it's probably going to be a multi-game suspension, just like we got. But yeah. you know, that's night and day. Someone stepping yeah. on your foot are in the game are, are versus getting a cleat no. in the mouth, like no, no. So. And the, the the thing is, is that it's it's really two separate issues, isn't it? There's should it have been a red, and then should have the suspension um, been upheld. Mm. And I mean, with the with the discussion of should it have been a red, I like I I, I hate to not be a homer, but I mean, I get it. Mm. If you saw it. Guy stepped on his foot, looked down, stepped on his foot. And, you know, looking down on at it to show intent was, you know, a bit of a rookie move, something you don't expect from, from a vet player that's going to be doing some shithauser like that. He looked down, he stepped on the foot. I don't like that it was a red, but I can understand that it was a red because if you're going to be, you know, rigid to the letter of the law, yeah, okay, it's a red, whatever. Like, it fucking sucks, but it's a red. The fact that, but I mean, we already said it. I'll say it again. The fact that it upheld a three-game suspension is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I mean, I, I opined on this when the day that it happened. I thought, did they even watch the clip? Oh, they or did they, or did the, the paper shuffle across their desk and be like, "Yep, Kate, whatever, fine." Yeah, I mean, we're I too think, busy. Yeah. We're, too, we're, we're, we're too busy making video compilations of Jonathan David <laughs> to post on Instagram to actually look at uh, make, make a decision about this. I mean, we've had people on the Discord that read through the CDSE and said, "I can't see anything in there about a 24-hour window to file an appeal." There isn't. I looked. I looked. I read it today. I went on Canada Soccer. I went on yeah. the CPL website, you know, looking for it, and I, and I read through it. And you're right. There really isn't yeah. anything there. That's the. It sounds like a. It sounds like a cop out because they didn't actually watch the clip and mm-hmm. now they have to make an excuse for why they made such a horrible fucking decision yeah exactly. anyways <laughs> but let's talk about this week <laughs> we're not bitter or anything no not at all not bitter at all so no becky no problem yes yeah got the dub got the clean sheet how did you think we looked defensively uh i i mean our defense is 
unstoppable at this point. Um, it's wild. To me, that's that's the the part of the team that's come together the best in this new season. Yep. All new players. You were, I think everybody was expecting them to have that, you know, cutting of the teeth moment or or moments, multiple games where they're trying to figure out how it, how it works. And everything that we've seen at Lansdowne uh, at TD Place has been the exact opposite. And it's like mm-hmm. they've been playing together for years. So yep. it's lovely to see. Um, so defensively, we were super strong. Um, you know, when we get into some of the stand-up players, obviously I'm going to talk about a few. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think overall it was, it was an excellent game played by the, uh, Atletico defense. Um, you know, what's your opinion on, on us in that regard as well? Well, I think when, when I saw that, you know, Becky was going to be out for three games, I thought, okay, he's such an integral part of how we, um, pivot from a back four to a back three. You know, I mean, he's a center back that plays right back. He does both of them throughout the game. How good did Miguel Acosta just slip into that exact same role? I didn't think the kid had it in him to be able to tuck in and be a center back in a back three. But he, it was like he's been doing it his whole life. Yeah, for sure. And and it's it's one of those times where you you it, to me this this shows the absolute depth of the team right now. You know, we can lose one of our keystone players in the defensive end or really at any position um, for the other players. And we always have people on the bench that we can kind of plug and play into that starting 11 that will do just as good a job in this case. I mean, you know, proofs in the pudding. We had another clean sheet, two in a row. So the defense is doing something right, even when Becky's not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, uh, to talk more about the defense, I mean, how much of a massive performance did uh, Diego Espejo put up again? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think he's, he's a... He's an underrated player in that he flies under the radar sometimes because, you know, he's he's a fairly skilled defensive player, but he's not you yeah. know, he's not showboating. He's not doing the cool back kick passes and things like that that we saw from like Ben McKendry during the game. Um, but quality, quality player. And to have him on loan from Santa Cruz to Tenerife, I think um, a, a, an excellent choice by the club uh, and, you know, with well, he's too. Uh, he's he, he's at Letty B, is he not? Uh, I think I think he's been at Letty Academy his whole life. Yes, yeah, he has. But I think he's currently on loan from Santa Cruz to Tenerife. I want to say, but anyway, maybe he is at Letty B. Either way, yeah. our mother club has made an excellent decision yeah. <laughs> on loaning him to us for the season uh, to get his his feet under him and to give us a little bit more horsepower in the back three. See, it's a pleasant it's a pleasant surprise for me because when when whenever I think of okay, we're gonna get loans from. Uh, a Spanish club, you think, all right, we're going to get some young attacking hotshot. Like mm. when you think about like a defender, you, you you think of someone that's more mature. Like you don't you don't you don't think len- loaning in a teenage center back is going to be a good idea. You know, a center back generally doesn't hit their stride until like later. They're not big enough. They're not strong enough. They're not smart enough. They're not mature enough. Why why is Diego Espejo like p- putting out uh, feelers for uh, uh you know young fucking defender of the year already two games in? Yeah, why but, is he this good? Why <laughs> is he this good at this young? I I, I don't know, but uh, you know I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth on this one, and we can <laughs> we can keep him in the club for the season, uh, yeah. maybe two, and and yeah. hopefully he keeps uh, performing the way he performed on uh, Saturday. We're already making the mistake of falling in with lone play, falling in love with lone players. Mm, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay, I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> I'm ready to have my heart broken. Speaking of defenders, tell me about Maxime Tissot. Give me All a little right. rundown. So, on so I mean, if we're talking about standout players, Maxime yeah. Tissot was, you know, I think it came down to man of the match between him and Ingham. Um, but out, outside of the the six yard box, he was absolutely incredible. 
Um, the combination he combined well with Zach Verhoeven on the on the wings. He was played really well with Tabla and Acosta on the far side for quick, quick flips of the attack. Um, I mean, you know, you talk about again the evidence is there because it was uh, a Tiso to Acosta to Shaw in the 81st minute for the goal that yep. just absolute beautiful goal. And again, that was all Maxime Tiso setting all of that up. So so I have to give it to him. He is a lethal wingback and probably hands down one of the best left backs in the league. Um, and I'm super excited to see how he keeps playing in the rest of the games of the season for sure. It's like, uh, it's not the same type of requirement in, in some aspects, but it's the same type of requirement in other aspects as far as we get a player like Ali Bassett who came from an absolutely stacked Pacific team who didn't get a lot of time because he was behind some incredible players. Mm. That was, you know, based a lot of Maxime Tissot's time at Forge was was much the same way. I mean, he was behind probably one of, if not the best left back in the league. And he didn't get a lot of time. Sometimes he had to be playing, you know, as center back or at DM. He has some injury problems. You know, he walks into our squad as a starter and shows why he should be a starter in this league. He still has so much to offer the game in this country. I mean, he just, he was everywhere mm-hmm. yeah, on Saturday. And, and, he was just everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, to see how fast he can transition from yeah. from the, yeah. the defensive line to an offensive support role for crosses and things like that was just incredible to see in person. So if you ever want to make it out to TD Place, keep an eye on <laughs> keep an eye on keep an eye on Maxim Tissot because he That's will right. be a force all season, I think. You know, some of some of his some of his runs in the middle as well to do that sort of, you know, that that weird uh, inverted fullback wingback thing that mm-hmm. you see some teams play these like I think like a like a Joel Cancelo does that sometimes. Like yeah. he was playing a fullback but you can cut in. It was amazing. Um, I kind of want to use this to pivot a bit. I don't want to be too negative, but I want to pivot a bit to, to, to talk about maybe some players that we aren't going to absolutely gush about. I feel like I didn't love Zach Verhoeven playing on the left wing. <sighs> yeah. I think he he did his... I, I, want, I want him playing right midfield. Yeah. I, again, as much as it pains me to say, because I'm a big Zach fan, mm-hmm. yeah, he was underwhelming all match. Um, they yeah. subbed him out, I think, at 63 minutes. And... Th- he had honestly he had sparks of brilliance with Tissot. I think the two of them worked well together, and I would love to see more of that type of play. But at the same time, yeah, he was extremely underwhelming during the game. Um, a lot of balls that just didn't go where he. I, I think he wanted them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got shut down by Halvex defenders quite often, especially yeah. in the uh, in the early stages of the second half. So I was Teenagers. yeah, and I exactly, and I was so I was kind of glad he got subbed at sixty three minutes because I think it yeah. gave us a chance to bring someone in that. Was able to to put a little more pressure in the in the in the back four or three, I guess, for Halifax. It's I mean like he like he showed he showed some flashes. I mean he had like he said he had some nice link up with Tiso. He had some nice you know, little back heel passes, like little one twos, give and goes, and stuff going there. I just I just don't think that being an inverted winger is his strong suit. I don't no, think it's it not. plays to his strengths. No, I don't think I so think, either. I think he needs to be running on the right from deep. I don't think he needs to be a right back, but I think he needs to be on the right side. He needs to be running from deep, and he needs to be running to and crossing from the byline. He needs to be taking defenders on on the outside. Yeah, and we saw that last cutting. you know we saw that last yeah. season again with the game against Valor where he had picked up a pair of a uh, pair of assists. Yep. Um, you know, he was probably one of our I think he was one of our leading uh, you know leaders in assists last season. Yep. And I think a, lar- a large part of that is exactly what you're saying, where you mm-hmm. had him in that role of a playmaker, vice where he was on Saturday. Um, so hopefully, hopefully Cargo takes that to heart and maybe has a look at where he's going to put him uh, next week against Valor. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as far 
I want to talk about the, 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 this isn't a was this wasn't a disappointing uh, performance whatsoever. Um, this is you know probably a standout, most improved performance. I want to say. Let's talk a little bit about Blue Tableau. Yeah, Tableau was definitely the I'm going to say most improved. Was I still disappointed in the way that it sh- shook out on Saturday? I think so a little bit. I think everybody was. Mm-hmm. He definitely showed better ball control, a little bit more intensity. You know, you saw him actually running down some of the balls that you know. Uh, you know, when we were playing against um, Cavalry, he kind of just let go down the sideline. Um, but I just think he hasn't gelled with the team. Uh, you know, he hasn't gelled with the team the way we want him to. Um, you know, he sometimes held onto the ball for way too long. He sometimes, you know, saw a a pass that he should have made, or had you know, instead of take, taking the time to have a read of the field, he should have he should have done that and he didn't. And it's really tough to see because he's obviously an extremely, extremely skilled player that we picked Mm -hmm. up from, from Montreal, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think it's fitting with his trajectory. I'm just hoping that we can turn it around in future games for him. I mean, I, I, I find that his performance on Saturday was extremely encouraging. I think that, I mean, like, like we said, even though the improvement from the week before, it's just, it's like every day he's probably gelling more and more with the team that he's playing around. I thought, I remember the first game, all I could think of afterwards, I was like, man, that's a lot of misplaced passes. Like, mm-hmm. like are, are you really working together with everyone? This past week, that through ball to Brian oh, Wright beautiful. for that chance. Absolutely beautiful. DVD split through two lines of defense with that pass. Well, you even, you even look at, you know, 35 minutes in, he had that, like, hit. Tableau himself had a shot that you know went what six inches wide of the far yeah, post. Yeah, that, that's exactly that was the that was the other big chance. Ex- and, exactly. And, so. Yeah. What so, I loved about that too is that you know he was going as it was a tackle I think uh, uh, from Santos mm-hmm. that you know he very well could have let that foot trail and then gotten the tripped up and then gotten the penalty. But you know the type of player that he is, he's like, no, I want to run in and I want to take this shot. And the fact that he just skipped over him like it was nothing. Yeah, like he was a schoolboy. <laughs> yeah, like it was like was it was like watching a, yeah, like a great schooler play against someone playing in the CPL. Like insane. And yeah. that's what watching Baloo Tablet is like. Watching someone who's so much of the time is just such a clear cut above everyone else. And I can't the 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 the, the, the improvement that we've seen from the first game to this one. I can't wait for even more of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think over time, you're going to see him get more and more integrated into the, the team and the strategy and yeah. the formation that we have for the season. Yeah. And I'm super, again, he's a player I'm super excited about. I think that it's mm-hmm. just going to take some time. But once he hits his stride, it's going to be lights out for whoever we're playing with Blue Chapel sure. up in the front. So I mean, we're only two games in and look at how good we look already. Oh, yeah. It's a... Uh, I just, I, I, I'm blown away because as a yeah. season ticket holder last season, it was a little bit of a disappointment. So it's lovely to see us, you know, we were even at the top of the table for, you know, a day or two before Pacific's <laughs> victory today. But that's just, yeah, we're recording this at, you know, about 7.38 p.m. on Sunday and Pacific just won, knocking us off of the top of the table. We're, we're very disappointed. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Talking about looking really good. I mean, let's talk about... Um, uh, let's talk about you know our midfield performance on Saturday. I mean, like, did 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 we keep running it the same way we did last week, or did we run it better, or did we run it worse? What do you what do you think of our McKendry uh, Bassett pairing there in the middle? Yeah, the McKendry Bassett pairing is an interesting one. I I again I like to watch Ollie Bassett play. I think he's extremely sure of his of his feet, which is nice oh, to yeah. see. There's there's no weird bounces. There's no passing into no man's land it's it's very controlled play by him mm-hmm. and to put mm-hmm. him with Ben McKendry in the center 
I like the aggression. I mean, yeah, both of them picked up yellows. Both of our center mids picked up yellows during the game. Uh, <laughs> but you like to see aggressive play like that. So it's nice to yeah. see it's nice to see him and him and uh, Ben, you know, putting the work in in the middle to try and control the ball and and take a little bit of wind out of Morelli's sails during the game. What was ba- what was Ollie's yellow? That just, uh, I thought that was a mistake in the graphic, and then I look at the stats afterwards. I was like, "What did he do?" Yeah, I mean, I think it was for something minor. It was just like an, a, a, a quote unquote aggressive tackle or whatever. Well, uh, see what I what yeah. I thought was that um, there was a yellow the other way. Yeah, and then all of a sudden his name comes up, also getting a yellow. I'm like, did he say something that gave him a yellow? Like, did he actually do anything, or did he, or did he just say something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Uh, I mean, my little magician would never. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> uh, anyways, so let's 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 talk about a player that we talked about last week that I think had an incredible game. Obviously, he was the goal scorer. But mm. other than just that, we saw other chances. Uh, you're about to make you're about to make you're about to make me eat eat my words, aren't you? <laughs> hey man, we love nothing more than eating words on here. Talk to me about Malcolm Shaw. Yeah, yeah, I gotta eat some crow this week. Honestly, I I kind of talked about him as being a little bit of a disappointment last week. Uh, who knows? Maybe he was listening to the podcast, and that's why he he put in a little more effort this week. But yeah. Excellent all around creating chances strikes. He had the game winning goal. He had headers. The pressure that he put on the, the Halifax's back three, uh, sorry, back four was just off the charts. I, I love to see that kind of play from Malcolm Shaw. Mm-hmm. To me, that game was, that was Malcolm Shaw last season. Go- yeah. Golden boot nominee Malcolm Shaw came out on yeah. Saturday against Halifax, yeah. which was awesome. Awesome to see. I mean, how, like how calm is that man on the ball every time he gets it? Oh, the the amount of times I watched him push a Halifax player off the ball was like I mean you, he's he, he's so strong and confident when he has possession mm. and and very cool like calm collected like there's no wildness about Malcolm Shaw yeah. he's he's a yeah. you know he's he's a contract killer I think when it comes to being yeah. a striker and it's it's yeah. lovely to see him return to form uh, from. My hot take last week, which, you know, so you, you either liked it or you hated it, but it's, I think we're all in agreement that we're happy with where Malcolm Shaw is this week, which is uh, in the standout players as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about, like, you, you talk about how, how much he can sort of, you know, bully a defender, how much he can just come out on top every time. I, I've, I've watched that goal, I want to say, about 30, 40 <laughs> times. And I mean, just the jump up to just claim that header. As, as if no one else was even looking for it. It, it. it looked like no one else was even going for it. That that that's how assured he was and how dominant he was. In well, that that's, that was, was the just... craziest part. He was in double coverage, double defender <laughs> coverage. It was two of them. <laughs> and, two of them. <laughs> and he still managed to get the header. And it's like it's like Oxner didn't even see it coming. He was just like, oh, and he just put his hands up. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that's the Malcolm Shaw we love to see. Proper strikers goal proper target man's goal mm-hmm. you love to see and that's a, that's the thing too is that he's he's more than just a target man but he yeah. can also be a target man <laughs> he t- he does it all <laughs> yeah so we've gushed over the team why don't we talk <laughs> about a little bit what what are your you know areas of improvement maybe of seeing that we saw on saturday like from the cavalry game to the hellas game uh, we, we can talk about how we improved. Maybe talk about how, also how we can improve further. What, what did we see on Saturday that we did not like? Necessarily? Um, that we didn't like? I'm going to say uh, let's go. More passing would be nice. I, I would love to see us do a little more passing. I think we only did like 360 passes, 365 passes. Halifax 365, had, five, yeah. had 512. So yeah. 
I'm not saying passes are required, but it's always good to see the ball move around a little bit more instead of people holding yeah. it. So I would like to see a little more passing. That being said, man, I, I found myself in the stands shaking my head a few times just because you'd have a play or ball that would come in and you'd have two Atletico players both go for a header or both go for mm. possession and knock into each other or whatever or miscommunicate yeah. and then you know Halifax would get possession. So I, I think that's something that we have to tighten up a little bit for, for the game next week against Valor is just communicating on the field because there was a couple yeah. of those where it's like someone put just put it, you know, they say when you play soccer growing up, you know, you're a kid or whatever, you're learning that learning how to play the game and be effective. You know, they say like, put a name on the ball. Someone put a name yeah. on the ball. Don't just like yeah. assume that you're going to get it or someone else is going to get it. So I, I think we saw a little bit of that, a little bit of confusion. I'd love to see that cleaned up for, for next week. There was a couple. There was at least a couple. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember watching and I said, man, fucking talk to each other, boys. Like, you're both going for the ball here. And I mean, when it results in a turnover in possession, that's when it's egregious. Yeah. Um, we, t- we talk about how fewer passes we had. It's funny because our pass accuracy was almost exactly the same as Halifax's was. Yeah. Theirs was 86. Ours was 84. Which is a, an improvement from last week again. So so yes. less, way less dead balls, which was nice to see. Um, can we tighten it up even more? I think so. Yeah. But but yeah, it was very very nice to see us make that improvement uh, for the for the way that we were moving the ball around the field. And the thing is, is that you know the amount of uh, interceptions that we had in the middle of the park, the amount of you know pressing them so hard that they would uh, make an errant pass. Yeah. And like yeah, okay, they had eighty six percent accurate passes, but that's still almost a hundred inaccurate passes. Yeah, and, and you know, you saw it. You saw guys like Ben McKendry and Ollie Bassett uh, scooping those up in the middle when the ball's just rolling around and no one's doing anything about it. So it, it's nice yeah. to see that come to fruition for the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we can do better, but you know, you can't complain about another W, another three points on the board. No, you absolutely cannot. I, w- I want to go over the, 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 this is a stat that I love for a weird reason. Um, it doesn't make a huge difference because nobody scored off of a corner on mm. Saturday. But the fact that we had five corners to their two and the fact that we had four corners in the first 30 minutes, I love racking up lots of corners, yeah. regardless of whether we score on them or not. And do you know why that is? I don't. Because it <laughs> means we're spending all of the time in their end. We're yeah. doing things that make them hit the ball over their own byline. Yeah, well, not only that, the amount, I, I think we had three or four of our best chances in the first 30 minutes. And those were, you know, Oxner has to punch it out or Oxner has to make a save or it sails, you know, a foot wide of the net. So, yeah. So, like, so so many of these little stats, we, we that, that's the thing about the stats of this game. I mean, let's dive into that a little bit mm-hmm. as far as talking about who outplayed who. I mean, I've seen a lot of hot takes in the past few days. You know, <laughs> a lot of people saying, oh, it was pretty even. You know, we had more good chances than they did. They were sort of lucked out to get this, da-da-da-da. I mean, you look at some of these, you know, uh, if you want to look at disciplinary, you know, we only committed 10 fouls. They committed 17. Mm-hmm. We only had two offsides. They had five. I'm pretty yeah. sure Corey Bent was born offside. <laughs> the amount of times I saw him offside, I'm like, does he even know the flags exist on the sidelines? Like... <laughs> And I, th- here, here's a big one that I want to talk about because I think this is a stat that gets misrepresented a lot of the time. We had, I think, two shots on target. We had three, three shots on three. target. Yep. They had five. Now, someone who didn't watch the game would look at that stat and say, well, well, well then Halifax was more threatening, didn't they? They had, they had more shots on target. If you watch the game, 
you would see that and you know i watched it i watched it again i watched the highlights again as well other than that big double chance mm -hmm. every single other one of their shots was a pot shot from outside the box or on the edge of the box yeah well, tell, tell me well, about this. so so i think if we're going to talk about halifax and their offensive capability we're going to talk about yeah morelli so Sean Morelli is an excellent player. Like, bar none, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, Ottawa fans. I know we hate him, but he is an incredibly skilled striker. So, so I think that when we talked about him last week, we talked about the fact that Cargo needed to assign someone or, or multiple someones to, to mm -hmm. shadow him or to shut him down. I think that Neva and Bassett dogged him all game uh, because, yeah, you're right. Almost all of his shots were outside of the 18 and wildly off target, which was excellent to see. Or if they were on target, they were like a little floater that Ingham was able to pick up. Um, there, yeah, there was, there was a few. I mean, yeah. there, there was a big laser into the bottom corner. True. I think one time he got into the box and then he put another sort of laser into the far post. I mean, there was one from outside the box that, you know, was a little duffer. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah he he had them, but they, they were, you know... Any capable keeper was going to stop them, not not let alone the best keeper in the league. Yeah, true, true. I think that his, uh, you know, our, our ability, the, the problem, I think the problem we ran into with, with Morelli is that you had Lapare, Morelli, and plus the number five that were kind of all moving around in the middle. And so one was always free, despite mm -hmm. the best efforts yeah. of Bassett and McKendry. They can't mark, you know, you can't really mark more than one guy. So yeah. it gave him a lot of offensive opportunities. I mean, let's talk about the absolute clusterfuck that happened in front of the net where Nathan Ingham had to dig us out of not one, but two shots that easily both could have been goals. It was a real, you know, I like to call it an homage to Dylan Pally last, Pally last season. Uh, <laughs> the double save. The double, double save the in double front save. of the dub. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, the offense for Halifax was there, but it was yeah. all centered around Jao Morelli, which it was. We've, we've come to expect from Halifax at this point. It was. And, I mean, that was it. All, all of the chances, there was those big ones, and then there was pot shots from outside of the box, and that is the end of the story. Yeah, and, I mean, and you're probably going to hear Halifax fans say, like, oh, well, it was just... You know, it was an unlucky game or whatever. They look at the stats like, oh, we had 57% possession. We had eight shots, five on target. Like, yeah. it wasn't luck, guys. Like, let's yeah. let's cut the shit here. Like, that was not luck. You were just outplayed. And Halifax relies on a, a single chess piece for the entire game, which is yeah. Jambra. And, so. and if we're going to talk about being threatening, I mean, yes, we only had three shots on target. But, I mean, look at, look at the crosses into the box that resulted in headers that weren't on target but were just off target. Yeah. Look at those two chances we were talking about earlier in the game with both Brian Wright and Baloo Tabo that shot it just inches wide of the post. They weren't on target, but they were just off yeah, target. Yeah, it could have easily been a, a 3 nothing game. You know, and the fact, the, the, and I'm I'm sorry, but if I look at Baloo Tablet's chance and Brian Wright's chance that didn't result into a shot on target, that was a better chance than all of the <laughs> other shots on target from outside of the box that they shot. So I mean, yeah. stop looking at the stats. <laughs> look at look at the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, you look at the um, Canada like CPL has their center circle data, which you mm -hmm. can see heat maps and stuff, which is always super fun to look at because now you're saying, yeah. well, where did this player play? Where did the crosses yeah. come? Where did the passes go? So. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, ATO has developed, I think, this kind of feed to the wingers and cross strategy, which, yeah. which we saw all game and mm. extremely effective. Like you look at yeah. players that, you know, Maxime Tissot's, your, your, even Baluti, I've had a couple, uh, um, Ollie Bassett has some great crosses. Mm. So it was super clear that basically all of our offensive plays began on the wings and crossed in. And I think yeah. that we should double down on that because we have the skill inside the box once that happens with you know Wright and Shaw 
and any of the other high mids, I think that that's how we're going to win games is, is yeah. kind of doubling down on that strategy. So, well, I mean, we've got height up in the box, right? Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, look how tall scored from Malcolm a header. Is. <laughs> yeah. And the thing, it's not even that he's, I think, I think he's what, six one. Yeah. He's six one, but he's got a vertical. Well, that's Does just it. He, he, he has a vertical, and he's also just a big boy, and, and he can he can just bully anyone that he's jumping up against. Yeah, and when you're when you're it's playing amazing. against a, a defense as weak as the Wanderers, you know it's you're bound to put one in the back of the net. Well, especially I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they they had Peter Shala on the bench for did, some yeah. reason. I don't know is why. He's he's their their stalwart, their rock, isn't he? Yeah, I. You know what? Your guess is as good as mine. Why he was sitting yeah. down? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? I mean, we we I mean they they also made what? Th- the, I I don't know if Stephen Hart is aware that you're allowed five substitutions in three windows because I'm pretty sure he made three substitutions in three windows and then when Joel Morelli went off injured, I don't think they were able to replace him on the pitch. Uh, they weren't with another player. Uh, they weren't. But I mean, he went off in, in you know real deep in in injury time, so. Pretty deep. I mean, let's yeah. talk about that for a, a couple seconds. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like we like we said. I mean, incredible player. One of the best players in the league. You hate to see someone go off in an injury like that. Yeah, it's always like it's always horrific when you see any player playing a game. Like these guys are here, then they're playing because they love they love the game. We're there yeah, watching exactly. because we love the game. And when you yeah. see someone get injured, yeah, there's a lot of mouthing off that goes off, especially in the dub. You know, you had guys shit talking Morelli all game and Escalante yeah. last game against Cavalry. Yeah, but you know, you don't want to see anybody. At, have a serious injury on the field like he didn't have to be stretched no. off like n- even no. people who dislike Morelli which is yeah. all of Ottawa I'm pretty sure everybody yeah. uh, and all of the CPL you don't want to see that and you no. know I know words of support came out from a lot of the ATO players oh, yeah. um, which was which is really classy to see I think mm-hmm. that that shows that as as much as we have rivalries or whatever with other teams you know, these at the end of the day, these people are, are people, and yeah. they're all playing a sport they love. And when someone gets hurt, that's that's not fun for anybody. Uh, I'm personally hoping it's not a serious injury. I know there was a lot of rumors out there about an ACL or whatever, uh, yeah. you know, you know, season-ending injury, which I hope isn't the case. No. Even though it would put Halifax a little bit in a little bit of a pressure situation for the rest of the season, uh, you still, bit. yeah, you still don't want to see that for a player. No. Um, but you don't, you don't, you don't, and you don't love seeing a non-contact injury on yeah. the turf. It's like, oh fuck, you, you always expect the worst. You you expect like a Andrew Jean Baptiste type of, all right, that's that's the season ender right yeah. there. Yeah. We hope we don't see it. A lot of the players put out messages of support. We're putting out messages of support. Yeah. Hopefully, this man is back on the pitch as soon as possible because yeah. that's all that we want to see. Yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of, do you, do you want to dip into the mailbag? What do you want to do next? Do you want to hit something before that? Um, yeah, well, you know what? I want to get, let's hear, let's hear the, the Johnny, Johnny on the spot for, for cargo sub, sub decisions. Sub decisions? Okay, about, yeah, we talk about sub subs. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, let's do, we're going to do subs. All, All right. right. So what's your, what's your overall take on, on how cargo changed it up from last week? So I have to say that, um. I, I, I want to go to the to the Verhoeven uh, Tabla situation mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know, Tabla is always incredible on the right. I think Tabla can be incredible anywhere on the pitch. I talked I already talked earlier about how I didn't love Verhoeven on the left, even though he showed flashes of being able to do it. I would love to see that switched. Yeah. I would love to see Balubi playing on the left as an inverted winger because I think he's, you know, more capable, more experienced as being an inverted winger, and I want to see Verhoeven play at, on the right wing. Yep. Because I, that's I where say. he shines. Yep. I don't know how you don't watch, you know, the last five games of the season last season and not think that Zach Verhoeven belongs on the wing. So he was taken off for Kevin Alleman, uh at 63 minutes, and 
it's it's really really crazy to be able to have that sort of depth on the bench. <laughs> Again, you're you're taking a starting eleven player off for another starting eleven player, uh, and it's it's, it's funny because it was the reverse of last game where yeah, where Verhoeven came on game. for Elman at the you know at the same roughly the same time. So no, wonderful. I thought it was I thought it was a great sub. I thought it was needed. Um, you know, I I don't think Elman had like a massive impact on the game, but he offered something different. He offered mm-hmm. someone that you know probably has more experience playing uh, uh, along the front three as not on the right side. Even though I'm pretty sure he's a right footed player. Yeah. Um, we had uh, Tabla off uh, for Zakaria Boo. Yes. Bahus, sorry. Yeah, it was, um, it was nice to see Bahus on the field again. I thought he did quite. I yeah, he, he did. Well. Honestly, I, I have to give him credit for yeah. the time that he did have the ball and the effect that he made because. Mm-hmm. I think 63 to 71 when we were doing all the subs was what really gave us the, the extra little gasoline in the engine yeah. to, to yeah. set up Malcolm Shaw in the 81st minute. Yeah. He had a bit of a spark up there and I didn't realize because I mean, like I, I like I, like I said, I saw some, some footage of him before we had signed him. And I mean, here's a guy that looked more like he was playing as like a midfielder, you know, like an attacking midfielder. And between this game and I'm pretty sure from what I've heard from the Montreal friendly, he's been playing on the right wing. Yeah, I did not know that he was a right winger, and I think he did a fantastic job. I think he had some nice crosses in. I think he had some nice, you know, running to the byline, like cutting it back. Uh, I mean, he he's really like he he shows a lot of raw brilliance. Yeah, and he's he's, I, he's quick. Like on that wing, he is very fast, and he burned the Halifax midfield's defense several times, which yeah. is good to see. Um, and I'm hoping to see a lot more of that in the in the rest of the games this season. Yeah. Double subs in that same part. We had uh, uh, Big Vlad on for for Brian Wright. We had Sissoko on for McKendry. Um, do you want to see Sissoko start a game? Uh, I would like to see it just to kind of just look at what he can do from from minute one versus subbing him on three quarters of the way through a game. Uh, yep. Sissoko obviously is, a, is an extremely talented player, and it's hard because I think for for Carlos, because our bench is so deep, you end up having to to make. The tough calls, and I, I, yeah, I would, I would love to see Sako start a game. Maybe not against like Pacific or one of the hard hitters, but yeah, maybe mm-hmm. against Valor next week because Valor's been playing like hot garbage all season. Um, well, all season, <laughs> They're the two games they played, <laughs> um, but you know, neither of them were good. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna say. Um, so yeah, I would love to see him start. That would be great. Would you see like? Let's throw this idea out there. Mm. If we would you see him coming in, maybe not as replacing McKendry or Bassett, but maybe replacing one of the strikers. Give us three send mids, center mids, and play like a four four uh, four three three or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it could happen. Um, yeah. Again, I, I don't know if experimenting playing away or something. Yeah, and I, I'm all for experimenting. Like we talked about it in our in our season preview starting eleven. Mm. I, I went a little crazy with mine. I would love to see them try something like that. And I think that Suzako can slot into a four three two one. Um not necessarily in a forward role or we leave Shaw, but put him in the, you know, the atta- high attacking mid. Um in the mid in the middle somewhere would be nice. Um mm. but I think you can. I think that we have the flexibility to do it. I hope Carlos makes some choices at some point during the season to to give it a go and roll the dice and see, you know, if we can come up with, you know, double sixes or snake eyes on him. Yeah, well, I, I know I know that Suzuko can play both as you know, like a DM. He can play as as a center back as well. I mean, yeah. very, very just another one of our players who are extremely versatile, who can yeah. you know, fill in in various various parts of the pitch. Um, Mora Grega on for for Brian Wright. What did you think of what he brought to the game? Um, I mean, 
I think that Moragrega played great in the preseason games when we st- talked about them going to Atletico Madrid's camps, mm-hmm. and then you you had I think Moragrega scored against uh, I want to say they're playing one of the one of the B teams in Spain. Um, so it was a, it was a good start for him to see that that integration into the game that we were building. Mm-hmm. Did he have an effect in on Saturday against Halifax? I mean, he's a he's a fantastic player. I, I didn't really see a whole lot from him. I don't know from your perspective watching because it, it's again it's totally different being in the dub and watching yeah. the game versus yeah. me rewatching it or you watching it from Montreal. Yeah. Um, so from your perspective, did you see a need for to bring him on? Did you see him him do anything that you know blew your socks off? I mean, it's 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 tough when someone is subbed in, you know, at like the seventieth, seventy first minute or something like that. I mean, unless they score a goal or or assist a goal. It's tough to say. Oh, they had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when they're a striker and not like a winger that's going to just bring a bunch of pace and run at defenders and take advantage of their of their tiredness. I mean, he's obviously a very competent striker. He's a very big presence up there. He's kind of I I see him as like a almost like a mix between Malcolm and Brian as far as what he can offer, which is really great because you can, if you need him to you know you can take either of them off, and then he can go and fill the void. <laughs> if we're gonna continue playing like a double like striker system, yeah, you know what I mean. I just I'd love to see him start. I would love to see him maybe start next game. Yeah, just I mean, just not not because I'm not satisfied with how Brian and Malcolm are playing, just more just because I want to really dip into the war chest and see what we have to offer as far as our depth. Yeah, it's also like like we said, our depth is fucking stupid. So but, like, I want <laughs> to. It's also the, these it's also the situations where I would love to see them. I don't want to say like competing against each other, but yeah, you know. It's always good when you have a depth of players to start slotting them in to see how they play because yeah. now it's only going to fire up the players that are on the bench that game to say like, well, I don't want my starting 11 spot to get taken by you yeah. know or, or Shisako. So yeah. maybe I got to play a little harder, play a little more aggressive. So Yeah. On that respect, let's talk about Nathan Ingham and talk about <laughs> what, what we what we thought was going to be, you know, a really big keeper battle this season. That I mean, you know, this this man kind of is coming right out the block and being like, "Yup, this is my spot, and you're going to have to take it from my cold dead hands." Yeah, Nathan Ingham is just yeah, he's out there riding a unicorn with his flowing mane of hair, <laughs> saving every shot on the net. Like Nathan Ingham is an absolutely incredible keeper. York was out of their mind. When they got rid of him. Um, yeah. So, and I think that we're rubbing in their face a little bit. I know we have a little friendly rivalry with York, so it's nice mm. to see him him between the pipes showing exactly why we signed him. Yeah. You know, he's instrumental in controlling the game. Even in the 18, mm. like we're not even talking shots on net, but Halifax corners or cavalry corners the week before, his ability to read the play and either mm. get a punch out or a catch or whatever, you know, at the very end of the Halifax game, he had a ton of grabs because Halifax was pressing pretty hard in the last yep. five minutes. Yep. Um, and he set the pace in, in our end, which was mm-hmm. excellent to see. And there's no there's no question why he got player of the match, honestly. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, even, even, if it, even just the double save. I mean, yeah. Both yeah. with the foot. The foot saves? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone else there has played keeper. The foot save is not an easy one to do. <laughs> no. No, especially when you had that, like, absolute... You know, traffic jam in front of our players yeah. and their players, and he was still yeah. able to get the first save. It came back out to a old wanderer player. I don't remember who it was. Doesn't matter because um, they didn't score. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and then he made the second save, and the crowd just went absolutely nuts, yeah. which was great. No, it was wild. It's what the one thing I love about him too is that we talk about him coming out to claim the ball, and I mean, I can remember one big punch, but more often than not, he does the catch. Yep, suck the punch. 
Yeah. It's I mean it, it's it's really mature. It's a mature keeper's move and I mean his his distribution as well is fantastic. If he wants to play it out from the back, he knows who to roll it to. If he wants to distribute it long, he doesn't get nervous, he doesn't kick it out of bounds. No. You know, like no. That, that's one thing that I, I, I infuriates me is seeing a keeper <laughs> go, go either a goal kick or or even just, you know, dumping it out like literally kicking it right out of bounds. Yeah, and the they don't. They, they're not even like you've seen some keepers. I'm sure you know if you watch any any level of league, you see some keepers that kick these huge, wild, high kicks to half. And every kick I watched in the game today, when I rewatched the footage, was just controlled, kind of the perfect altitude to yeah. come you know out into the middle. Uh, his his low passes were good, even when he's being pressured by guys like Morelli who were coming in to kind of get in his face. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool as a cucumber, which is what you want to see, uh, you know, in your in your in your keeper. Yeah, to somebody. Yeah, just k- kick it to somebody. <laughs> Don't just kick it. But no, Nathan Ingham, incredible. Yeah. And I mean, I saw the footage of him after the game as well in front of the dub, hyping everyone up. Yeah, yeah. With the arms and everything. I mean, that that guy is absolutely loving life right now. He's he, he he's hopped into this club and just instantly become a dub legend. And you love to see it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we love our keepers. We, love <laughs> we really, we really do. Yeah. <laughs> We're a keepers club. That's for damn sure. All right. What do we want? Do you want to, you want to go let's, to the mailbag? Yeah, let's di- let's dip into the mailbag. So we, yeah, we've right. we've uh, we've we've made the effort to add a new little segment to our our local podcast here, where we reach out to you, the fans, uh, in the Discord or in any of the group chats for CCSG, mm-hmm. to ask the, the the hot burning questions you have pre or pre game. Well, not, I guess not pre game, but during the game, post game. Uh, so, so yeah, we have a little bit of a mailbag that we're going to mm-hmm. dive into. It's going to become, I think a regular segment on this show just to get yeah. a little more fan involvement. For um, sure. and, and we'll, we work for you guys. We work for you. That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> we're public servants. We yes. are from Ottawa after all. That is true. Um, all right. So, so I'll, 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 uh, I'll pull the first one out of the mailbag here right. and we'll see what it says. First letter. The Let's first letter. <laughs> I wish I had like a ripping letter sound. Yeah. <laughs> like Can you add that post process? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. So first question is now that we're in our third season, I have a quote unquote friendly rivalry with Halifax especially on the Discord, how safe is it to assume that future matches against Halifax would be considered derby matches? So I'm always, you know, I, I, I'm a weird traditionalist in using, you know, calling a match a derby just mm. because if, if it's not, I feel like if it's not an inner city match, it's not a derby. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with having a match be a rivalry. Yeah. You know, a rivalry game, that's cool. That's fine. If it's not, it, it's it's like when people call Liverpool, Manchester United a derby. That, which is not. It's not a derby. Liverpool's derby is with Everton. Manchester United's derby is with Manchester City. Liverpool and Manchester United is a rivalry. Is mm. it bigger than both of those derbies? I mean, historically, probably, yes. yeah. Yeah. But it's but but going back to the the immediate point, you know, is, is Ottawa Halifax rivalry? Of course, it fucking is. I mean, <laughs> like. One of the most annoying things that sports fans like to do is pretend that they're not rivals with people. Yes. They want to pretend that they're like above being a rivalry. I'm sorry, but I see how these people act on Twitter and on Discord. And I see how our people act on Twitter and on Discord. And I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and, but I mean, you know, there's some rancor there. There's some anger there. There's some, and I mean, the thing is, is that this is more than any, uh, 
uh, Calvary Edmonton rivalry, any Halifax specific rivalry. This is this is some you know made up in an office in Toronto bullshit. Like <laughs> Ottawa Halifax has a, a you know a city rivalry going back to a team that doesn't even exist anymore. And I mean you know it, it seems like judging judging up old history, but that was a real thing for anyone that was a fan of Ottawa Fury back in the day when they were playing in the Canadian cha- uh, Championship against the Halifax Wanderers. There was a lot of nasty ass rhetoric. Between fan bases, which I think, this which, period. which I think carried over, and I'm not of saying a, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think the it's rivalries, I think the rivalries thing. in sport are are what we build on as it's fans. Wonderful. Um, it's wonderful. I think you're right. I think on Discord and on, you know on Twitter, I think that like, I don't want to I don't want to slag them too hard, but like sometimes I'm like, man, like it's a joke, guys. Like we're 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 kind of we're, we're ribbing them a little bit on being like, oh, you're the Halifax wankerers, um, you know, which was hilarious, by the way. If you haven't seen the picture, uh, it's pretty yeah. funny. Um, they they basically photoshopped the scarf to say Halifax wankerers instead of Halifax waters, which is top notch shit posting. Um, yeah, no, it is good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, when we do stuff like that, it's like it's like they're almost like butt hurt about it. Like they're like, well, you know, like it's not a real rivalry because you know Ottawa. Where's your fury? And I'm like, guys, you gotta, you gotta dig a little deeper into the bag if you're gonna compete with us. Like we are massive. The big thing here is that I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but yeah. uh, obviously here's a here's a city. You know, I, I love Halifax. Halifax is a fantastic city. My yeah, I, live in Halifax. I went to university there. I, lo- I love the city. I grew up in Nova Scotia, but. You know, but fuck, I mean, this city, this, like, <laughs> this city did not have a first division sports club until four years ago. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're from a city that has the most trolled, most unsuccessful, most made fun of fucking hockey teams in the history of the NHL. You can't hurt us, like, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the difference is that we know how to get insulted. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Well, Whereas I, if you're not used to it, you might not know how to get insulted. And when someone's joking around with you, you might take it too seriously, and then you get really angry right away. It's like, I think, man, it's a fucking joke. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's just it. I think that we've got a little bit thicker skin than than you know the Haligonians that are you know with their panties on a twist on on social media. So it's it's fun. Honestly, it's fun to troll them sometimes because they get so worked up. Um, and, you know, when we talk about guys trolling them, you know, Eddie and Brandon are two of the most notorious <laughs> trolls, I think, on every channel of Discord. Yeah, you know, even the Halifax's own channel, they'll dip in there and, you know, give them shit. But uh, I mean, this is the, this is the funny <laughs> thing that we also need to make very clear is that for, for all the reputation that Ottawa, quote unquote, Ottawa fans have for doing and saying things, it's like 90 percent Eddie and Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would I would agree, but you know I still love it. I love you love to see it. You love to see a little bit of a little bit of you know rancor between the teams. So and I I love I love that um, you know more Halifax fans are, are are coming out of the woodwork as well on the Discord and on the Twitter and a lot of, you know as the time goes on the, the, becoming better sports and having better banter back and forth and. If anything is going to happen over time, the rivalry is just going to get better. And, yeah, you know, I mean, I, mean, I looked at the amount of and yeah, yeah, I looked at the ahead. amount of I looked at the amount of, of Halifax supporters that I saw at TD Place, and I mean, That's I know great. Ottawa's the mecca for like people from the. <laughs> I can say this as someone who grew was born and yeah. grew up on the East Coast. Yeah, the mecca of you know between us and Alberta, this is where everyone from the East Coast comes to work. Um, so it's it's cool to see them out to the game and and trying their best to compete with the dub but i mean it's 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 the race was over before you know the starting gun went off for halifax fans i think no there's lots of them they're certainly spread out all right mailbag number two i'm gonna ask you this this one here what are your guys's thoughts on the mckendry bassett midfield duo so far 
Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I am going to say Ollie Bassett is probably going to become one of my favorite players of, oh, the, of the team. Um, and I talked about him a lot last week. This week, I was I don't see dis- I wasn't disappointed. He played well. I just last week and this week there was a little bit of a, a decline. I think in in just he became a little more invisible, which isn't a bad thing, you know. Especially mm-hmm. if you're playing defensively um, in that in that realm, you don't want to mm-hmm. you're you're not showboating. Um, yeah. His pairing with McKendry because McKendry has you know experience with the team, experience with the formations that we run in. Mm-hmm. When we have so many new players, when you're bringing Bassett in from Pacific, when you're bringing Tissot in from Forge. Um, I think that McKendry and Bassett are a great tag team in the middle yeah. and it showed. Yeah, they both picked up yellows. Ollie's was kind of BS in my opinion, but you know, at least that shows they're being aggressive as well in the middle, yeah. which which I love to see. So I'm excited to see their bromance grow in the center of the field. Um, you know, will it become another Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, <laughs> you know, situation? I hope personally, but but you know, I guess we'll we'll wait and see on that one. Seeing, but, I, I I gotta say, seeing like seeing Bassett sort of playing more in deep, mm. uh, it's it, it's give, it's giving me shades of like Alberto Soto playing in deep last season. Someone who you know naturally probably wants to be further up and playing as a ten, but mm. when they're asked to play a little bit deeper as like an eight, they can absolutely step up to the plate and just do a stellar job. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right, let's uh, let's pull up another one here. Um, after two games, which player impressed you guys the most, and which is underwhelming slash underperforming? So you got a most and a least. Yeah, I think most as far as um, what I was expecting. As, as, this is both impressed the most. What I was expecting was Nathan Ingham. Obviously, mm-hmm. I knew that yeah. he was. You know, he's one of the best keepers in the league. He came in and he's just he's just ran show. There's that. There's, there's, too many things we could say about Nathan Ingham. Nathan, you're a fucking G. Um, <laughs> now, so, someone who I wasn't expecting to be so impressive is Diego Espejo. I mean, we've, yeah. obviously, we've talked about him a few times. And like I said earlier, I did not expect a 19-year-old boy to come in from Spain and just be one of the best center backs in the league already. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to talk about underwhelming and underperforming, this one is not really like... I'm, I'm going to say Abdu Suzoko. Now, okay. just only because we haven't seen enough of him. He's yeah, made two fair. sub appearances, and I mean, it's mostly just as far as what I was expecting coming into the team. When this guy was signed, I mean, I look, I, I was watching footage, I was looking at pictures, I was posting pictures of him uh, uh, holding Cristiano Ronaldo in his pocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, here's a guy that had a crazy experience, crazy pedigree. You know, playing in La Liga, playing in Serie A. And, you know, I expected him to come in and be one of the best players in the league. And that might still happen. Yeah. But just, as, as it's been two games and he's been a sub appearance in both games. So yeah. I don't want to say underwhelming, underperforming, maybe not underperforming in like a negative way, but more just someone who I'm hoping to see more from mm. in the future. I think that's fair to say. Okay, yeah, I, last, I would agree. Yeah. Last mailbag. I All right. Know tell pat about this one. yeah this Here's, is a this is a yeah. in the moment so hit it's, me with it it's funny because we almost talked about this early is <laughs> it a coincidence that both times we've scored have been after vlad was brought on and one of shaw or Wright was taken off Ooh, so this is like a little bit of a you know uh, uh is is it a is it a coincidence uh, is it a coincidence is it a little bit of fate you know <laughs> is is there an unseen hand at work on the field that whenever we do that Ah, man, the, the, uh, yeah, honestly, I think the, I want to say yes. I want to say it's like some magic that happens whenever we do that, that, Mm. you know, that's the reason. 
Um, I honestly don't think that it has as much of an impact because I, I look at how we performed after, especially in this most recent game, mm-hmm. we absolutely dominated Halifax in the last 15 minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, was that about bringing players off and bringing, you know, other players on like Morgrega or like taking right off or whatever? Yeah, it might've had an effect, but I think for, for in that regard, I think that's more of a bringing fresh legs on and fresh eyes out to people off the bench who've been watching the game for the first 70 minutes. And then we bring them on and suddenly the, you know, the fire's lit under the guy's ass. Cause like now we have a little bit extra oomph, a little bit extra fitness out there on the field. I think that's more where it leans. Do I want to believe that there's a superstition <laughs> in there? Yeah. That's a fun thing to talk about. I think, <laughs> um, but, but that's where I'm at on it. I think that, I don't think they're connected. This isn't like a, a red yarn tinfoil hat conspiracy theory yeah. in the league, but, but yeah. Is it is it more just that we manage we, we cargo just has better game management as far as bringing legs in and that we just wear them down more and that that's why both of our goals have been at the 81st minute obviously the first one was a penalty but I mean it was a penalty resulting in, in an amazing attacking phase that could have resulted in a goal if it wasn't for Escalante wasn't for Escalante taking over as the goalie the yeah <laughs> so I mean is it is it just is it just a case of us slowly wearing teams down and then breaking through near the end rather than because of the actual specific sub itself I think so I think that that Carlos has a really good idea of how deep our bench is and how he yeah. can use that depth to wear teams down because I think proofs in the pudding last 15 minutes of the game it was all Ottawa all the time just relentless and I don't think we would have had that if 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 we hadn't subbed in some some new players it's funny because when when I sat down to watch the game in the in the stands in the dub mm-hmm. the first I would say 25 minutes were some of the most exciting football I've seen at in a CPL game just because it was so high press high aggression tons of goal scoring chances um but you know then you had the mid I'm gonna call it the lull yeah a little bit of dip and then you know it, it plateaued and then at the end when they brought on the new players that's where we we, we made the opportunity so yeah I think that I think Carlos knows what he's doing mm. it's lovely to see that it's lovely to see him shift from a more defensive sub strategy to something a little more offensive with some more midfields and, and strikers coming in so yeah yeah no I mean we talked we talked about the difference of the play between the previous week and this week as far as you know the previous week might have been more pragmatic and mm. we came out with a with a penalty goal to win and then this time we just came out we were just more attacking yeah. it's, it's 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 funny when at halftime I looked at the stats and I saw that we had less possession I'm like what are you talking about less possession like we we were we were dominating this game and then when you remember that okay possession you know isn't a timer saying when do you get the ball when do they get the ball it's just the number of passes to, like added together and then divided in half. Like, yeah. That's all the possession stats are. So when we have it and we carry it more and then they just tiki-taka pass along with it, the possession stats are going to show that regardless I, of whether they actually have more time on the ball or not. I think that's something that is like very misunderstood <laughs> in football in general, especially oh, yeah. for a fans who, who don't watch the game as often as, as you or I, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's it, Halifax did that the whole game. You know, you talk about 500 plus passes. You know, that's literally what they were doing was just fucking around with it in their own half, which is fine if they want to yeah. do that, but you're not yeah. going to score doing that. So yeah, if you don't have like a Sergio Aguero up top, <laughs> you can just pop out with a fucking through ball. Then it's not going to work. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we head to t- tell us about the dub? How was oh. the dub this week? Oh boy. Um, there's always a, 
a, a fear that between the home opener, which is wild and crazy, yeah. and the next game, there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a dip in support. Yeah. Um, especially, but, especially if it's the week after. Yeah, exactly. One week after, um, tons of casual fans went to the home opener because it's a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then there was definitely a, a smaller crowd for the game. But that being said, the dub was still pretty packed. And yeah. I think it was extremely evident if you watch any of the recordings or highlights of the game against Halifax, mm-hmm. like you can make out every word of the chants. You hear the cowbells, you hear the drums. Oh yeah. And, and I think the players showed their appreciation for that by coming over at the end of the game. And, you know, you talked about Nathan Ingham coming over and giving the old high five to the CCSG folks in the front. I think that that to me is the, the spirit of football and the fact that you could hear it over the live broadcast, over the guys, t- like they're like talking about players, like, oh, you know, Ben McKendry, a little tip tap pass to Verhoeven. And all you can hear in the background is, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I can barely hear what this guy's saying from people yeah. on the field. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it, if you're looking to have an experience, you got to come into the dub. Um, just a massive effort from CCSG to, to put that together. And yep. it, it showed because we, we won again. The players were, were appreciative. Yeah. Uh, By the way, in a few months, we're going to head down to uh, to York Line Stadium, and there's going to be more of us there than there's going to be. Oh, 100%. For them. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to come to the dub when buying tickets, we were talking about how great the dub is. Enter is CCSG great. in the promo section for discounted tickets in the dub. Also, if you want to be a member of CCSG, go onto the website. This year it's free. You want to get uh, custom merchandise designed by our own team. You can also buy it there. Yeah, shout uh, out to uh, shout yeah. out to our very own Dan Duff for uh, for the designs. I mean, they're absolutely incredible. If you haven't been on the merch site, to me, so, <laughs> that's a reason alone to join CCSG is how dope oh, our yeah. merch looks. So yep. uh, you can't. Yeah, see there you it, go. I'm wearing <laughs> one right now. <laughs> um, all right, what else we got going on in the CCS uh, CCS CCSG universe? We've got Eddie Bennon loves to do the pregame hot stoves. If you haven't t- uh, tuned into those hot stoves, they're usually the day before. Uh, sometimes they're at five. Sometimes they're at seven. He basically just you know they they announce it the day before when it's going to be. Yeah, so that's a Twitter space. I don't know if you've ever been on the Twitter space. All the kids are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not on TikTok, I feel like they don't know what we're talking about. So. <laughs> exactly. We we do this because it's recorded, and if we say something stupid, we can edit it out and not look stupid. Whereas you know these kids, they don't care. They just say whatever. It lives on the live. internet forever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a live Twitter space every week before the game, the day before the game. We do a Twitter space after the game as well. Daniel Duff hosts that. Um, where can we find you on social media? But do you want anyone to find you on social media? <laughs> I mean, if you're from Halifax, I don't exist on social media. Uh, no, no, you can find me. Uh, my Twitter's at Patty O'Dernan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the same handle. Um, good luck finding me on Facebook. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, and uh, and yeah, what about you? Oh, and there Discord, same, at Patty O'Dernan on Discord as well. There you go. I am the same username across all of them. It is John A. J. A. W. N. E. I. G. H. It was a stupid joke when I was younger, and it's something that I'm stuck with, and I'm going to keep it. Anyways, this has been ATO After the Whistle. Match Week 2, Halifax Wanderers, 1-0. Any last words, Patrick? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that we've talked about the, the game against Halifax. I'm stoked for the game against Valor next week. They struggled mm-hmm. against the resurgent yes. F- FC Edmonton. That is true. They lost to Pacific. The goals they got were like an own goal and a garbage time PK. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm predicting a two nothing victory next week. They're for the taking, aren't they? Yes, they are, and I'm, I think right. we're going to keep the uh, keep the clean sheet on the W's for next week. All right, week. let's keep it rolling, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next week on Tuesday on ATL. Uh,